Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty that goes on and on longer than a party political conference. Bienvenue. Welcome. Bienvenue. Ian Collins wants a word. And good day to you, everybody. Uh, welcome to our gorgeous pod show, or podcast, as uh, kids are now calling it and stuff. Shall we go for it? Here we go. On the show, this. Big red codpiece. Peter Andre's brain's worth of this. I was kind of, not emotional, it's too strong a word, uh, but it was like, thanks for remembering me. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? There he is, that's comedian Lee Hurst. Who's on with us? And we'd be slapped down like Jackie Pallow at a cat weasel fan convention if we didn't get our act together and offer you some of this. Whatever. Yeah, just how excited are we about all of that? We're often accused of not being serious enough on this podcast. Frankly, this is nonsense. Here's a producer who embodies not one but two political giants, the wisdom of Lyndon Johnson and the looks of Boris Johnson. Can I just thank Jeff, the chef in Huddersfield, who wrote that for us? Thanks very much, Jeff. You giant. Nice of him, wasn't it? I like the fact we've now got listeners writing our script. They're, in many ways, they're the most creative part of this podcast. In fact, if you could record them as well, send them in. We don't mean to be here, frankly. It's questions and feedback via social media, like Facebook and Twitter and email and all of that sort of nonsense. Yeah. From Liverpool Mickey, who says, Is it fair to say that your podcast is now one of the most listened to in the land? Is it? Yes. Oh, good. Although, I I think, in honesty, that there are uh, two in front of us. We're just behind the um, the Bugle. Right. Which is okay. It's exciting. And uh, Talisa's new podcast as well. Tal- oh. Uh, which is called The Bugler, um, which uh, <laughs> I think we fall just slightly third to that. Yeah, you so. say that. I hear it sucks. <laughs> just an excuse for a cheap Talisa gag, was Correct, it? yes. Yeah. From Justin Case. Yeah. Is there a new Star Trek film out? Bet your dim-witted producer, Sideline Trey, <laughs> is wetting his pants on this. Uh, yeah, there is. It's J.J. Abrams. And J.J. Abrams yes. is... Uh, is uh, you know, J.J. Abrams did Lost. And he did a show yeah. called Alias. Mm. And uh, he's, he re, he's reinvigorated the Star Trek franchise. And importantly... Man, uh, did it need that. No, it did need it. It did. It actually absolutely did need it. But he's also helming the new Star Wars films. He's the guy who's going to be sort of uh, making sure that that's all right too. So that'll be nice because, of course, Star Wars being made in the UK in your back garden, apparently. Why are you excited about this? Well, why wouldn't I be? It's new th- Star Wars, Star- new Star Trek. It's all good. Yeah, despite men with pantomime ears and little talking robots, we're still meant to fall for the notion that these films are suitable for adults. What are you watching next? Jamie and the Magic Torch. Look, Jamie and the Magic Torch is an underrated cult classic with a subtext that... Yeah. Just look at it on YouTube and you will, you will see what's going on there. It's I a very remember. clever show. One day, Jamie turned up with his Magic Torch. Oh, that's a beauty, said his girlfriend, Talisa. Leave Talisa alone. She might not leave you alone, but, you know, Gideon's stuck his oar in, hasn't he, about Star Wars? Yes, that's right. I think it was a moment for some comedy from the Chancellor. Well, it was reported that his favourite character was Han Solo. But he might actually have said Hans Solo, which marks him out as a little bit of a... Wag, wag, oops. <laughs> you mean it took that for you to mark him out in that respect? Well, yes. I don't think politicians are necessarily that sci-fi savvy. No, it's whenever a Q magazine or something does an interview and they say, what are you listening to on your iPod? Yeah. And you always get something awful, don't you? 
Yeah. And well, I'm listening at the moment to um, Florence in the Machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really? Good. But I'm surprised that Miliband hasn't tried to jump in and get on the Star Wars bandwagon, though. He's in it. He is. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting, because he's flying a powered Millennium Falcon. Yes. A new character called Marshmallow Mouth. <laughs> Little bit of politics, as Ben Elton would have said before he went <laughs> From Pokey Phil. Regarding hair extensions, I'll give £50 to charity if Ian Collins gets a mullet. I'm all for that. That would be excellent. Just had it all shaved at the back. That's going to take a year to grow. Well, you could get it sort of like welded on. Isn't oh, you mean you yeah, but you've got to have some hair to weld it on too, haven't you? And it's all shaved. So it's like a grade one at the back. Yeah, so you're but not you're... about to be attaching anything to that. You get your hair cut every morning, though. More or less. Because it just grows. So it I, is I think like it's some kind of industrial juice was stuck in my bottle as a child. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But give it a couple of days. All right, I'll give it a go. Right, I'm happy with that. Quid. I'll go for the mullet. Excellent. That'll go to the snow leopards then, will it? Oh, not those bastards again. From Newt the Brute. <laughs> Last week, you had the managing director of Mitsubishi on with you. I can't help but think you did this as a bit of shameless promotion, just because they sponsor your podcast. That's really? exactly why we did it. Yeah. Next question. From Monkfish. <laughs> Regarding Ollie from Helen and Ollie. Helen and Ollie were on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was yeah. very good. If you haven't heard it yet, I'd encourage you to download it right now. Anyway, Ollie and his smelly egg wraps. Monkfish makes the point, why don't pre-packed egg sandwiches smell? Why is it only the ones you make at home? <sighs> what do they do to them? Well, some of them do smell a bit. But I suppose at home you've had the whole process. You've boiled them, you've uh, fingered them, you've yep. lobbed them in the bread. Yeah. You've not diluted it with mayonnaise in the same way that they probably do in the petrol salad station. Cream, whatever you've got salad in the cream. Yeah. yeah. Salad cream or mayonnaise. That's oh, better with salad cream. Yeah, every time. I know that the, uh, the, the posh and polite choice would be, you know, Dijon mayonnaise or whatever, but a bit yeah. of salad cream is fine. Uh, Do you remember they nearly stopped making salad cream a few years ago? Did they? they? Yeah, they said, we're not making this anymore, nobody buys it. And then suddenly everybody bought it. I went, bought something the other day. I, forgot, I keep forgetting to buy salad cream because right. I keep forgetting how good salad cream is. It's not bad, is it? It's a beauty. It's well with a bit of cheese. Yeah, oh, yeah. So that's eggs sorted then. Yeah. From <laughs> Ahmed. He says, are you victims of the bedroom tax? No. Are you? No. You'd have to be living in social housing. The straight, the, the bedroom tax, which of course isn't actually a tax, it just means how much money other people are going to give you will depend on how big your house is. Nothing wrong with that on the face of it. But, and there is a problem, because we had a fella call up on the LBC show, and he was moaning, he said, look, I've lived in this house well, with my mum, and it's three bedrooms. It was like 25. Yeah. So I lived it with my mum, uh, three bedrooms. And she sadly died a couple of years ago, and... Uh, it'd be quite a bind for me to move out. And so there is a man living in trendy shortage down in London in a three-bedroom house yeah. on his own. Mm -hmm. And he ain't paying a dime for this thing. So to live in the equivalent of uh, said place would probably cost you in that neck of the woods about a million pounds. Yeah. So most people who work in that area can't actually afford to live in that area. So if you look at it like that, you think, well, actually, yeah, that is fair enough. It's not right, you just a three-bedroom house for sod all. The problem is, they're saying to people who've got no other means of income that you've got to somehow come up with an extra 20 or 40 quid a week depending on how many surplus rooms you might have. And when they say, OK, well, we'll move out, the council or the local authority say, well, we've got nowhere to move you. So in that respect, it's become a sort of a cul-de-sac and sounds a bit torturous and not very nice. But the principle is sound. It's a bit like the, um, the poll tax 
with the principle that everybody paid a bid, it was kind of faultless in many respects. It was just too f***ing expensive. Mm. That was the problem with it. It wasn't actually the principle that everybody contributes something to having the bins emptied or that the streetlights are working. I don't think too many folk have much of a problem with that. It was the fact that it was just too expensive. And I think that's the same with this. The principle, on the face of it, it all looks like a reasonable plan, but actually working it out, it's just not been properly worked out. And it's meant that folk have rightly pointed to the Tories and said, you nasty, dirty, dirty Tories. Hence the bedroom tax. Ian Collins is now appearing in Ooh Vicar, Where's My Bloomers? at the Fairfield Halls Croydon. One week only. And finally from Phil. Phil has an entry for Where's Witchell? <laughs> Andre, give me some witchell music! Phil says, I'm sure I saw Nick in my local NCP car park the other day. He was standing forlornly near the pay here machine, staring at his hands. Well, that would be consistent with my sighting, of course, of him standing forlornly at a bar exactly. in, a, in a club somewhere, staring at his hands. Does he, perchance, mention whether he was wearing a Rodney from Only Falls and Horses leather bomber jacket? He doesn't go into such detail. Because that's usually the giveaway of Witchell. Don't forget, if you've <laughs> seen Nicholas Witchell... Drop us a line. We're building a big CSI-style map. We put pins in, we're going to get some string, yeah. and we're going to see what sort of a picture it makes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to do, Kev. Brilliant. Uh, if you've got any questions you want to send to us, uh, very simply, uh, you can send them to Kev, which is kev at onceaword.com. You can send them to me, which is ian at onceaword.com. Or, of course, you can send them to both of us. But if you want to slag one of us off, just send it to the other. Yeah, that's usually We'll still happens. read it out. Yeah. Well, you will. I'll try. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! Well, we must have done something, right? It's back for a second week, Kev. Hooray! Hey. In fact, let's have that cheer again. Cheer! Thank you. It is ways to make the world a better place. Once in a while, while you're busy being a humble human being, you stumble across a little area of existence. It could be social, economic, governmental, or just something personal, where a nugget of everyday life just looks plain wrong. It's a law, a type of behaviour, a corporate regulation that needs a swift kick up the arse, a rethink, a rewiring, or a reworking of an idea or a notion. With this in mind, we bring you ways to make the world a better place. Your thoughts on where and how we can improve the globe. Welcome to our workshop. Kev, have you got one? I have two, surprisingly. Firstly, disabled spaces at the supermarket. Here's a way to make the world a better place. Paint them over! No, that's not what I was thinking. You callous man. I was thinking, if you, for example, park in them illegally, a robot will pop out of the ground and remove your knees... So you have a valid reason to use them. (laughs) The first time you see that, you're going to think, I'm not going for that. It's an excellent deterrent. If you want to use the disabled parking space, then we'll give you a reason to use a disabled parking space. That that does make sense. You could, of course, I'm just thinking aloud on this, uh, there is a way, I suppose, if you adopted the Disneyland method. Now... I don't know if you saw that story of the uh, woman. I, th- I think she. I don't know if she posted this on Facebook or something. It was the how to bypass the queues at Disneyland. Right. So you can either wait two and a half. A big signs up saying uh, waiting time two and a half hours, or uh, if you have a valid reason, two minutes. And of course, if you your child is ill or you're in a wheelchair, you go to the front of the queue mm-hmm. and they put you straight through. 
all fair enough. Now, uh, there are stories every now and again of somebody who shaves their kid's head, sticks a baseball cap on it, and says, uh, my kid's got a drop of the old big C. Uh, is it? And, of course, the staff, not wishing to challenge this, have put them to the front of the queue. I don't know whether this is worse or not. A woman who wanted to bypass the two-and-a-half-hour queue so she could be right. put up to the two-minute queue, uh, she solved the problem by hiring a disabled person. Oh, my life. But here's the thing. She hired the disabled person from Disneyland because they were a tour guide. Ooh. So she hired, you can hire a tour guide, right. apparently, for, I think, $600 a day. Okay. And they take you around, they show you everything, they make sure you don't miss anything. And, of course, equal opportunities employer. Some of their staff are in chairs, so she hired one of the people in a wheelchair. Okay. As a result of which, she was bumped up the queue all the way for an extra 600 bucks. It's quite clever, really. She didn't do anything wrong. She worked within the system. Yeah, she completely worked within the system. I think the person that shaves their kid's head... That's a bit That's wrong. That's just bad. Mind you, you... You can't perm a, a piece of good out of that. <laughs> perm. Mind you, have, Sorry. you, have you been to Legoland? <laughs> of course I haven't. Well, you I'm might have. I'm 39 years old, Kev. <laughs> Why would I go to Legoland? Have you been to Legoland? Frequently. But I have children. But you have, like, nieces and nephews. So I've actually paid for my nieces and nephews to go to Legoland. Lego. Right. Now, Legoverland. Lego, <laughs> Lego. Now you're on to something. Legoverland. <laughs> hey! Brilliant. And to open our theme park, Peter Stringfellow. Yay! You know how it works at Legoland now. What happened? Uh, a ticket gets you in, yeah. and you can go and you can queue up for all the attractions. But Legoland seemed to be implementing almost like a class system, whereby you can buy a what they call a queue bot, which is a little sort of digital device which automatically queues for you. So you say, I want to go on the dragon roller coaster ride for example you click on it and it will say in like 15 minutes you will be able to go to a special part of the queue and get on the roller coaster without queuing up now that's quite a good idea you pay extra for this kind of thing it's not cheap so you've got your queue bot yeah it's a bit like when you're down at the harvester when they give you that little device to tell you when your table's ready the harvester? You've never been to a harvester before? I've been to a harvester. They don't give me a little device. Well, they show me right to my special table. <laughs> Which is the salad bar. <laughs> yes. Oh, mind you, that Thousand Island dressing is not bad, is it? It's not it? bad, is yeah. it? Eh? Anyway, so you've got the Q-Bot, and you'd think that that's a class system in and of itself, isn't it? No. There's the Q-Bot... Which is basic. Then you have the advanced cube. The Cubot Plus. Which, instead of waiting 15 minutes, uh. you only have to wait, say, 10 minutes. Really? So people pay for the advanced Cubot. So you've now got your ordinary ticket holders, your Cubot holders, and your advanced Cubot holders. That'll be the end of it, because obviously you've got now your advanced Cubot owners, your Cubot owners, and your ticket holders. And your ticket holders are looking at the Cubot people in a jealous way. Your Cubot people are looking at Cubot advanced holders in a different way. And then they introduce Cubot Premium, which effectively means you can get on the ride in two minutes. What's the d difference in price for these things? If you had a family of four, uh, I think it's like a couple of hundred quid, because it's you pay by, per person. So if there's a family of four, it would cost a couple of hundred quid for a good Cubot on top of your ticket price. On top of it? Yeah. So it's an expensive day out. but it's well, also that, Why does anybody pay to go to Legoland? You just take the wall down, don't you, and walk in? <laughs> Rebuild it in a different colour, if you like. That's a nice idea. Go through that funky gate. Go on, what else? Pocket alarms. Pocket alarm. Pocket alarms. You mean like alarms on your phone? No, alarms in your pocket. Well, what, in, what alarms are in your stitched pocket? Stitched into... Let's say you're wearing a coat and yep. you're sitting on the bus or a train or okay. somewhere else and somebody sits next to you. You know you get that little moment when people sit down and they sit on your coat and you have to do these sort of awkward 
pulling your coat up, <laughs> yeah. shrug, or oh, excuse me, or whatever else. Yeah. You feel a bit embarrassed. The person that sat on your chewing gum feels a little bit embarrassed. Here's a way to make the world even better. A little alarm goes off, like a little beep, beep, beep. So the person who sat down knows they sat down, so they can adjust themselves accordingly. And nobody has to talk to each other. Therefore, oh, you're, so you're saving behind. face. So behind. Saving I face. I solved this problem years ago by putting upside-down pincushions in the pockets. <laughs> with hilarious results ensuing after that. Yeah. Nothing funnier than watching an octogenarian touch the ceiling with their head. There's also nothing funnier than your subsequent arrest. Conditional discharge, Kev. That's all I'm saying. Uh, here's a couple. What Somebody emailed on this. Because remember years ago we did the Feed the Homeless with a Hound? Yes, I do. Feed the Homeless with a Hound. It's far cheaper pound for pound. And somebody had worked out. Now, hear me out on this because it does sound a bit, you know, it's got sort of Korean-based properties when you sort of start talking about eating dogs mm. and stuff. But somebody had correlated the amount of dogs that are euthanized for no reason other than nobody can find them a home. If you joined that together... Then rather than just having soup kitchens, you could have soup kitchens that are giving away all manner of spaniel-based snacks and Alsatian baguettes. <laughs> it's only because we have a sort of a worship of the dog that we wouldn't eat the dog. If you if we ate the dog in this country, then dogs would not just be put down. They would be put down and recycled. And that would include fur and all manner of things. It's Paws, a nice idea. Tails. And I can't say that the idea of a poodle panini doesn't make me feel a little bit hungry. Well, who wouldn't? However, um, we're not going to go with that one, uh, but we will go with this one. And I don't, I don't know when nobody has come up with this idea, because you wouldn't think it would take much, but it would solve a multitude of problems. Usually problems that occur between about half eight in the morning and about nine, and about uh, between three and four in the afternoon. And that, of course, is the school run. Oh, yeah. Why has no bozo thought about building a car park in a school. Yes. One that doesn't just house the teachers' cars, yep. but other people's as well. In fact, you could go better than that. You could have a car park away from the school that is just there for the school-based purposes. Mm -hmm. And then a little tunnel that goes under all the roads to the school. So you walk your kid to the school from the car park. And you've solved a million problems. Even better, if you have to have it some distance away, build a monorail. A monorail. The kids would love it. They'd go to school happy. They'd have... Already, their creative juices will yep. be flowing, so they'd be ready for the working school day. Everything is good about this. My school, when I last looked at it, and I still drive past it when I go to my mum's, has car parking spaces still for about six cars. Yeah. And they're the teachers. So the teachers can't park anywhere. Then you get this ridiculous four-by-four four run where people decide, I know what I'm going to do. Just between these hours while I'm dropping my kids off, I will break every single parking regulation that mm -hmm. can possibly be broken. Yep. I will park on the curb. I will park in front of a drive. I will park on double yellows. I will park on a corner. I will park with my ass sticking out in the road. I will park on top of your car <laughs> if I want to. What the hell happens at that time? And what percentage of those people really need to drive little Jimmy to school? Because some of them, I'm sure, live around the corner. Yeah, but little Jimmy's a pain in the ass. Yeah, and he's 29. <laughs> is he? Uh, this is from Mike Newell. He says, can we please dispense with the centuries-old invention of the key, please? We all lose them. They're cumbersome in our pockets. And if they are lost or stolen, we run the risk of being robbed. Surely in the 21st century, we should be on to fingerprint ID for front doors, cars, and anything that needs opening or locking. Please take this seriously. Well, it's heading that way, isn't it, with intelligent keys for cars, where you walk up to your car and it just opens. It just opens. But that's, that's always... True. If you did that with your house, I think it would be a bit scary. Well, if it was all fingerprints, you run the risk of having your fingers stolen. <laughs> 
Yes. Which I think, I mean, if it hasn't happened in reality, it's definitely happened on 24. I'm sure somebody had their digits snipped off in order to be able to open something. Yeah. I think you can, at the moment, get a, a front door mechanism that does open with your palm or your But would you trust it, though? Because it'd be one of those things, let's say you have a power cut, then it's either going to mean that your door is going to fling open or you're not going to be able to get in. Or you'd have to use a key. Therefore, it's not really a solution. Yeah, you see, you do wonder, with any technology-based issue, that there would always be a manual kind of fail-safe. Yeah. I'm always reminded of air traffic control, who, despite uh, computer technology being able to monitor planes all over the place, within a couple of centimetres of where they are in relation to this, that and the other, uh, land planes with a pencil and paper still. They write down all the digits and bits and pieces on a piece of paper in case the computer goes wrong. There's a lot to be said for just doing things the old-fashioned way. So I like the idea, you know, instinctively, I like the idea that you would just look, you know, into a... I was going to say a glory hole. (laughs) You you would just look into a a peep hole into the... (laughs) The glory hole has some potential, though. <laughs> it would open your front door, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would open something. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. You just look into the lens of something and, and the door opens, but you do sort of fear that it is up there for going terribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, Lisa in Swansea says, My idea of how to make the world a better place is to ban cats. Um, well, I'm with you already on that, little swines. And to make everyone own a dog. Dogs are cool. They're part of the family. They're part of the gang. They don't answer back. They always love you. And they only cost a quid a day to feed. What's not to like? Well, they shit on carpets. Yes. There is that. But not often. They're also not that bright dogs, are they? Compared to your cat. What they seem to have is different breeds of dog have different levels of brightness. Right. So, you know, your border collie is bright in one respect yeah. but if, if the border collie was human it would be sort of diagnosed with something right uh, of well, having being, s- being a dog yes. for example having, having stop walking around like that you silly bastard for licking its own bollocks yeah, that's what it would be exactly. diagnosed as yeah. it would be diagnosed with some kind of psychological difficulty of some sort but then again your spaniel would as well because like a lot of spaniels will uh, appear to be your best friend like i i love a springer spaniel right but a spring of Spaniel, if it went next door and was given food, then it would be perfectly fine with that person being its new owner. So what was Lassie supposed to be? What kind of dog was that? Wasn't it a collie? Yeah, it was a collie. It wasn't a border collie, though, was it? No, it, was like it a... wasn't a border collie. It was just, just right. your standard collie. So so that's supposed to be an intelligent dog. And yes. it has, you know, all of this. Well, it had its own TV show. That's quite bright. <laughs> well, yes. But then... but then again, so did a dolphin. And the littlest hobo, who I think True. was a, a German shepherd. Are you telling me that your lassie collie is brighter than your littlest hobo? Because both of them seem to do pretty much the same thing in the same way on their TV shows. Can't argue with that. And how do you explain Benji? Benji? Remember Benji? That manky old flea-ridden beast. Yeah, it was like a rat. Scott says, Everybody should wear name badges. The world would be a much friendlier place if people called you by name rather than mate. I quite like that idea. So you would always know everybody's name. Uh, but I think isn't calling people mate a very sort of English thing anyway? Well, it can be, but sometimes it can sound really dismissive. Because back in Scotland, it's more like, ya bass. Or in, in radio circles, love. Which does happen a lot, particularly with the old Radio 1 crowd. Yeah, g'day, love. This comes in from Paul Underdown, who says, Make it compulsory that everybody has to read the Daily Mail. This way, the majority of the population will feel happy that they aren't mindless bigots. <laughs> Good thinking. Very good thinking. They could all live in comfort knowing that there is a equal commonality uh, between their their biases. There's a gypsy in my bathtub. 
But the Daily Mail does get a rough ride. I mean, there's a tiny amount. Yeah, rightly da- so, though. But there's a tiny amount of the Daily Mail that's, you know, throw out all immigrants. I mean, I don't think they've ever printed that. And, you know, once a day, they are also the paper that took the campaign to get the Stephen Lawrence killers arrested. You yeah. know, they are a, a, a brand that simply knows its audience. And sometimes that might be misplaced. Sometimes it might be offensive. But, you know, I read stuff in The Guardian I find offensive. I read stuff in The Telegraph I find offensive. It's not just that it's become simply a byword to talk about bad journalism. But the editor is probably the greatest editor on the planet. Right. It's one of the most successful newspapers on the planet simply because... Whether you like it, whether I like it or not, is irrelevant. It absolutely knows its audience. Yeah, but and that audience they are able to manipulate by printing the kind of stuff that they think their audience wants to read. Yeah, but much of the time... We tried to do a show, OK? We were looking up one of those stories of uh, benefit scrounger, you know, fat bastard eats KFC for <laughs> breakfast and lives in a flat screen. It was that kind of thing. And their house is made of flat screens, and their children are <laughs> flat be, screens. That would be amazing. We were trying to highlight this exact point, so we thought what we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go to the Daily Mail, we'll winkle out a couple of stories, and we, we couldn't find one in that particular day's uh, copy, so we went to the previous day, and then we found ourselves three weeks' worth of Daily Mails. We couldn't find one of these stories. So... They're almost defined by something that happens rarely. It's just that when it does happen, like their famous Welfare Britain Mm. uh, headline a a few months ago over that unfortunate arsonist story, you're left with the idea that that's kind of all they do. Whereas, in effect, they do pretty much what all newspapers do. Yeah, but then you've got that and you've got the online side of things, which sort of contradicts the print version. Because they'll, they'll do this whole sort of... Everyone's got their knockers out. Yes, exactly. Why, it, it's, it? it's a whole sort of like, uh, isn't this a terrible thing, this case of sexual harassment? And then yeah. the sidebar, look at the tits on that! That's right, they do like that. This in from Steve White. Steve White, of course, the drummer from the Style Council. I think a little ripple, please, for Steve, Andre. He says compulsory voting. Uh, not new, but he's acknowledging the point that it would be your prerogative to spoil your ballot paper, but it would make people think about what a vote actually is. He's absolutely spot on. I like that. Yeah. Because usually people don't know there's even an election on, let alone whether they're going to vote in it. If you had to vote, as they do, I think, in Australia, but the fine is so small. Yeah. $20 or something for not voting. Uh, And Denny in Manchester says, uh, what do you think might happen if we made everybody turn off their televisions for a week and listen only to Radio 4? Brackets or LBC. I think there would be a marked understanding of what makes us all tick. It kind of depends who's on at the time. Yes, you're right. I mean, if it's Humphreys, I mean, Humphreys versus Ferrari. I mean, one is clearly slightly uh, over the top, uh, reactionary, uh, tabloidy, rabid, clearly an overtly Mm. sort of Ukippy esque right winger. Um, and the other has worked on LBC 97.3 for some time now. Hey! So. <laughs> Nick Ferrari's a lucky man, though, isn't he? It's like Nick Ferrari suggests speed and grace and so on. I mean, if his name was like Nick Vauxhall Cavalier, he'd have a hell of a time. <laughs> you make a fair point, Kev. If you've got any suggestions for ways to make the world a better place, uh, we're right up for them. Mm. Right up for them. Right up. Yeah. Uh, we've got Lee Hurst coming on oh, with us in just a, a little bit. He's a nice man. And uh, we've also got another... Have we got the shoot? Is that... The, the, should, should we just play the next bit and see what happens? Let's do an ad, and then we'll come back and see what happens. So it's what happens after this ad. After this ad. Yes. That, that will do, Okay, well, uh, stand by, kids, uh, because after this... Everything could go horribly wrong. Order! Order! 
The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000-mile five-year warranty. In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. I don't know what's about to happen here because this, of course, is Sideshow Kev's slot. So I don't know what he wants to put in it this week. Back to glory holes. Oh, yes. I said last week yeah. a lot of people are going to be very happy. Right. And I don't think words are enough. I think when you hear this music, you'll know exactly what I mean. Balls, 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 balls. And for the rest of you, there's this. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. God. It's Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. The return of the weekly look at the box <laughs> of showbiz fluff we find under the bed. It was never fair. We begin with an email from Johnny Hovis. Hey Kev, I hate everything. Johnny Hovis! Johnny Hovis, everybody. Everything. Yep. Except the shoebox. I especially hate these fake scripted reality TV shows like MTV's Jersey Shore. Any danger you could investigate like this? Well, Mr. Hovis, you're in luck, because that's exactly what we're doing. Okay. Andre, give me some f***ed up Jersey Shore style music! Whatever. Very simple, Ian Collins. Yeah. The cast of Jersey Shore all have stupid bloody nicknames. Is that right? For the assembled selection, just tell me which of the three options is an actual Jersey Shore person. Can I just say, I mean, we, we've got a lot of pop culture vultures out there, but Jersey Shore is the original uh, American show that Geordie Shore in this country was based on. Correct. Uh, which probably, if you don't know one, you, I don't know why I reminded you of the other, really. All of our listeners are young, thrusting things. So yes, that's true. They watch MTV all the time. Geordie Shore is the one where you usually get somebody's dad come on and say, why, she's a right beauty, my daughter. She loves it right up the chaffer on a Saturday <laughs> night. What a girl. Number one, tell me which is the actual Jersey Shore person. Okay. Is it A, Mike the Situation Sorrentino? Is it B, Bobby Swanfondler Lapel, or is it C, Sam the Idle Spectator Rickles? It's B, Bobby Swanfondler Lapel. <laughs> really? I like the idea. <laughs> no, it's A. Hey, Swanfondler, how you doing? It's A. This is ah! the situation. And leave that swan alone. You can break your arm, you know, swans. Yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> Number two, spot the actual Jersey Shore person, nickname, nickname, Shore person. Is it A, Crockett Eddie M, B, Alfonso the Gimp Font, or C, Nicole Snooky Polizzi? Oh, it's got to be C, hasn't it? Snooky. Snooky. You know that. Everyone's heard of Snooky. Is it Snooky a banana split? Oh, good question. Possibly. Number three, A, Sammy Sweetheart Yankola. B, Dawn Whispering Grass Estelle, <laughs> or C, Norm Nice Knob Nicoli. One A One C, A do, C one, Sam, uh, Sammy A, Sweet. A. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. A. It's a correct answer. Is Lee Hurst in yet? <laughs> Why don't you have a cool nickname? You've got the other nickname, that's not so cool. No. Number four. A, Jenny J. Wow Farley. B, Frankie F Knuckle Francosi. <laughs> or C, Scritty Bitchy Politi. I'd like to think it was C, yeah. uh, but I think we're probably going to find it's A, isn't it? It is A. Although I quite like Scritty Politi. Yeah. Back in the day. Did you like Scritty Politi? Everybody likes Scritty uh, Politi. It was all politics. Did you like wasn't Cameo? It? 
Ah, oh, word up. Yeah, word Cameo up. were awesome. The lead singer's name was Larry Blackmon, and he had this big red codpiece. Yes, he did. He did. Big red leather codpiece. Yeah. Much like yours. That's not red. You really shouldn't wear that out in public. Finally, number five. Spot the real one. Is it A, Paul, Pauly D. Del Vecchio, B, Space Hopper, Chuck DeVito, or C, Carl, the Walrus, Lafon? <laughs> I'm going B. Space Hopper, Chuck DeVito. Yeah. You're telling me there's a character in an MTV US show. That would make sense. Called Space Hopper. Yeah, yeah of course there is. Is there? They loved a Space Hopper like we did. <laughs> the answer is A, Pauly oh. D. That was a triumphant return. That's the showbiz shoebox yeah, for this week. Brilliant, Kev. It might happen Stand next week. Stand by next year's Sony's. <laughs> There's a story there as well. It's in the bag. If you've got any sh- you want to chuck into the showbiz shoebox, email me kev at onceaword.com. Follow me on Twitter at sideshow underscore kev or write it on a piece of paper and stick it under your bed and the pixies will find it and bring it to me. Give us a urine sample and into the nurse on the way out. Now, for the doctor, that is just an everyday working phrase. But for you and me, that is the start of a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's about that big, isn't it, the beaker? It's about that big, and you look at it, don't you, and you go, well, most of that's going over my hand. <laughs> I might as well just have a piss, pat the nurse on the head as I leave. I said to my doctor, I said, why do you take the urine sample? He said to me, we get loads of information from the urine sample. I'm thinking, why do we bother sending a CV to a job interview? <laughs> You should just open the door, piss all over the bus. And look who's coming to our studio, everybody. It's only comedian Lee Hurst is here. Good Hello. evening. Go right. Hey. <laughs> so, do you come onto that at your own club every now? Gig, yeah, every gig, yeah. Every gig, yeah. It's just me doing it. Because so you, know? you can call the shots at your own club. I can. You've had your own club for years, but yeah. this, is, this is new now. Yeah, yeah, it's brand new, uh, although we still have uh, some uh, parts of the club are from the old venue. We recycled some of the doors. Is that, is that a bit like... Uh, <laughs> is this in the same vein as me seeing you paint your own? Because before I knew you, yeah. I always used to tell the story on air. I used to say, I, can't, I saw Lee Hurst painting his own comedy I, club. I did, I did. Uh, on this occasion, I have done quite a bit of labouring, up in yep. concrete blocks around. A uh, bit of mixing. Not too much, though. We had a mixer for most of it, but like final few, yeah, I did yeah. a little bit of hand mixing with that. And a um, little bit of painting, but not so much this time as before, to be fair. But you know your stuff in that respect, because a couple of months ago on Twitter, I was looking for some glue. I need some to glue. Well, I, I can't bang nails into this bit of wall. It's going to be a yeah. pain. And I put it on Twitter. Anybody know what I can use for this? And straight out the trap, Lee Hurst <laughs> with glue recommendation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes it sound bad, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> it <laughs> does really, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, what you want to do yeah. is you put it in a bag, <laughs> you stick it over your nose, and you hang around a market. <laughs> <laughs> but, you are, but you are backing up and running now with a yeah, we, essentially we brand new club. Yeah, we are. It's um, We've done only done one Saturday show so far yep. and ironically two Sunday shows which is odd uh, I did my tour show there which was postponed from February because yep. we had a flood in January um, that, basically that's what's put us back this sure. flood we had from the hotel above it put us back about nine possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. ten weeks before we could open the bar is open we're only doing five days a week at the moment we're still trying to train up staff and sure. get new staff in and we've done a couple of shows as I say my, my tour show and we just had Jason Manford in doing his yeah, tour warm up as yeah, well fantastic. Uh, just, just Sunday just gone and that was great. And I'm hoping to encourage some more of the, yep. the big names to come down and do yeah, the yeah. warm-up. It is, I would say this because it's my room, but I got up on stage and, I, you know, you just make a few off the cuff. Hello, welcome back. And um, it just slapped me right in the face. The laughter is something yeah, else. Yeah. I mean, the old room played great. 
I mean, it was, I thought, great, I was brilliant. Brilliant room. As, I, as artists room, say, great space. Yeah, this room, it just blows yeah. you out of the water. It's, it's going to shock some of the comics. When and I remember you something, you haven't out. got any dressing rooms. No, no, we don't. And there's, do a, there's a theory behind this. Yeah, we used to have years ago in the old space, we had a place up, upstairs where they could hang out. But um, we changed it around for various reasons. We built a sort of restaurant area up there. But um, what I found quickly after that was if you keep the comics in the room where the show is, they stay switched on yeah. a lot more. If they go into another space, oh, funny. they start chatting like we are now, yeah, yeah. relaxing, and they switch off. You keep them in the room, they're on top of what's going on. They can see if there's any hecklers, this, that, and the other. And they, I think they'd give a better show. I would guess for a stand-up as well. I mean, it's the kind of almost the purest form of enjoyment to, to, to have your own room that you own. You can be on whenever you like. Yeah, that side of it's great. That's be on whenever nice. you like. And, so you've and, always got a gig. Yeah, exactly. And from where, <laughs> where I live, it's, it's 10 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, the, the, flip, the downside of it, though, is, that, I mean, I, I do a lot of comparing, in, in, I did in the old place, and I probably will yeah. be doing a bit in this place too. But the downside of it is you do worry about the whole uh, yeah. night's organisation, you know. So you're thinking like, about the bar, the door. Everything. Are yeah. the toilet rolls in the toilet? You know, yeah. is, is this individual, you know, there's a spill. I was on, yeah. while Jason was on stage, I was at the back of the room with blue paper towel mopping up a spillage. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the old where there's blame, there's yeah. a claim. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Although what we do is we just bury them in Epping Forest. That's right, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, so it works in that part of town. It has to, it has to be done, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've still got the van. But you, I mean, you walked away from a lot of high-profile TV stuff. Uh, yeah, with with they think it's all over. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you're happier in this skin than that. Skin. I, I, it's it's an odd one, really. I just like I like gigging. Yep. If it happens to be on TV, it's on TV. If it's live on stage in a club sure. or live on stage in the theatre, I just enjoy gigging. I yeah. enjoy going on stage in front of people and trying to make them laugh and, yep. and make myself laugh as well because a lot of stuff sure. I do is improv. And um, but with the TV thing. The, I mean, it's a long, boring story as, as to why I left, really. But it was, it was all technical stuff. It was no, there was nothing to do with personality clashes or anything like that yeah. whatsoever, which a lot of the media had put out. It was literally, I felt the format had run its course, and I said to them, "You got to mix it up a bit, and you have got to change the guest you book." Yeah. The phrase I used to use at the time, I, they used to book, should we call them celebrities? And I said, "Book comics, book funny people." Yeah. yeah. And I, I said to him, "You took a risk with me. Nobody knew who I was, and I'm a regular." Take a risk with one or two of the guys off the circuit. Sure. They're in for one show. Yeah. They will not do any worse than some of the people you're booking. I used to say, book people who are funny, not famous. The phrase yeah. used at the time was, if you want famous, book Myra Hindley. That's what I used to say. <laughs> but, you know, and it, it's, it, and, I, and I still felt, I still feel the same about it now. Yeah. Um, but they they didn't do that. The format didn't change. And I just figured it was time to go. But also, it, it's still being kind to you, really, because everybody knows who you are. Oh, astonishingly. I mean, I, you know, I've never seen... Well, people it. think you were on there yesterday. I know. It's really bizarre. I mean, I know they re- they ran it on for a year or two afterwards, you know, like, you know, yep. compilations, this, that, and the other. And I guess there's clips on YouTube and maybe, sure. maybe some of the cable channels ran it as well, perhaps. But it is amazing. Like, when I go out on tour now and you think, I mean, I left that show at the end of 97. I only did two years. Wow. And yet, it's like I you can, were there for fifteen. I know, and I, it's like I can, I can, I can't do the big theatres. I yeah. used to play two thousand seaters back then. Sure. Obviously, I can't do that. My profile isn't big enough. But I can go and play a four or five hundred seater venue and Easy. do very good numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And uh, on the, on occasion, have to do a second show. Yeah. And it's, I find it amazing. I mean, when I first dipped my toe back in the water because of the delay in the club being rebuilt, I was kind of. Not emotional is too strong a word, yeah, but it was like, I was like, you know, I almost wanted to say, I'm like, thanks for remembering me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was almost like that. And, um, yeah, but it so should I, be like that for a comic. You know, any comic that would go back on without thinking that 
it's probably got something wrong with them. Haven't yeah, they? I mean, I was, you know, I've got no. It sounds really facetious, but I've got no um, doubts in my ability to yeah, deliver and perform because obviously I've I've been performing all these years yeah. anyway. But it's just that people actually took the time to, or just remembered me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll go and see that guy again, and and they had confidence that perhaps I'm I can still do it. Um, and it, it just amazes me after all this time that that that's the case. So I must have made. I never did see the show that I was on, but I must have made. An impact, I sure. guess, to, to still stay in people's consciousness. Uh, who, when you look at other comedians, who makes you laugh? Who, who do you think is funny? I mean, this is going to sound really um, <laughs> uh, like, like a lot of localism here, but um, it's Mickey Flanagan. Yeah. He's one of them. Uh, he's from the same neck of the woods as me. Yeah, sure. And, and it's not because he's an East End or that. I've always rated Mickey. You know, we used him a lot um, uh, when the club was, was originally opened. He used to come in, and we he played a lot there because other clubs weren't using him. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going into the comedy store one time, some years later, and he's on stage at the comedy store, and I walk in, and Don Wald is sitting in the <laughs> booth, you know, being yep. Don Wald. And, who um, owns the comedy yeah. store, for those who don't know. Yeah, I kissed his ring, obviously, when I turned <laughs> As up. you do. He's the, he is the Don, after all. <laughs> and I walked in, and he looked up at me. He was sat in the booth. He looked up at me, and he went to me, he's good, isn't he, Mickey Flanagan? And I said, he was good 18 months ago when I told you to use him. <laughs> but he wouldn't take my note. And then wouldn't another the comic, risk. who shall remain nameless, told me later that as he walked out that night with Don Ward as I left the store, Don said to him, who else does Lee book that I don't book? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask me. Fantastic. I'll tell you. you know? Fantastic. But, um, but no, Mickey's very good. Sean Mio, uh, yeah. an, another brilliant comic. Um, he is probably, I, 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 I will I not probably, he is the best gag writer of his generation. And... It is an absolute tragedy that this guy has never been given a, a chance on TV. How does that work? What, what, what's the what goes it, on there? There's a lot of politics we say in comedy with regards yeah. to who actually decides who goes on, and it isn't the BBC or ITV. No, it's management. I was going to say exclude people from getting on. In fact, all you've got to do is watch a show where there's more than one comedian on. And then Google the comedian and see who represents them, and, and you'll probably the find they all represented by the yeah, same person. That get, happens an awful lot. You'll get it? chat shows and certain yep. chat show hosts are represented by somebody, and nine yeah. times out of ten, the comics guest in there are represented by the same people. Yeah, this course. squeezes other people yeah. out. Um, they use that old kind of, you know, well, if you want to book this, we get, big we name, get it in radio yeah, all the time. You, you know, we ask for somebody to come on, and they say, well, yeah, but you've got to take this the, person. Yeah, as well. there's three others we want you to use yeah. over yeah. the course of, and then you suddenly discover that. Uh, an agent is booking your show. Yes, well, that's, it's like they're producing you. That like, is hang e- on a second. No, whoa, whoa. That is this, exactly this can't it, and that's why people like Sean yep. haven't been given a shot. Yep. I mean, I don't watch much comedy on TV. I've been told about some of the names that are very big now, sure. uh, which you know, I must stress, I've not seen work. Yeah, yeah. I've been told some of their stuff, and I find it in- incredibly weak. Yeah. And if I think about the guys I've worked with on the circuit sure. over the past, it's like these guys would poo all over them, yeah, yeah, want yeah. for a better phrase. Well, yeah, indeed. And, and I often wonder, are you not being allowed on because you would show the public that this guy, if this guy is the benchmark that the public yeah, yeah. would think, this is brilliant, yeah. it's like, wait till you see these guys, and then you'd suddenly go, oh, actually, he's nowhere nearly as good as them. It's funny, I know a couple of warm-up guys that mysteriously were taken off 
because they happen to be funnier yes, than the person they were warming happen. up for. <laughs> that does happen, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, well, listen, Lee, we've got, uh, we've got, we never get a comedian in without a comedy quiz. Okay. We always have to do one. We've had uh, various levels of success over the uh, over the last year. I'm hoping it's, uh, it's quite a low level of success. R- well, Rob Rouse, you know Rob, of course. I do. Uh, Rob is another lovely man in comedy. Yeah, he's uh, extraordinarily nice. He's, he's one of those guys who's too nice for comedy. Absolutely <laughs> right, yeah. Think, he can't do comedy. He's, you know, he does something else for a living. Uh, but Rob, got a, he got a full hit. Right, yeah, okay, he got so that's here. what I'm going for. Right? Al Murray, not so good. Not so good. Al okay. didn't do so good. But... So basically, what you're telling me is bald guys have got a bad rep on this. As <laughs> it happens, yes, that that seems to be the consistent right, response. Give it a whirl. Okay, here we go. So it's Lee Hurst in the comedic hot seat. Where's my buzzer? We've got, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got a multiple choice though. Multiple choice. Yeah. I like that. So, I like that because I've actually got multiple personalities. So at least one of if... me will get them right. <laughs> if you butt in. Without hearing the full choice, that chair shoots up and we never see you again. Fair so, enough. But it goes all the way back to Bethnal Green. Excellent. We'll save, save my oyster. So, five questions. So, it's Lee Hurst vying for the five out of five on this. Here we go. Okay. Question number one. Which comedian is responsible for the character Buller? Is it A, Ricky Grover? <laughs> Andre Vincent. No, it's Ricky Grover. B, Ricky Grover. It's Ricky Grover. C, Al Murray. It's Ricky Grover. It's Ricky Grover. <laughs> well, when you're 100% confident, you're going with that. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a good lad, Ricky. Is Ricky always. is, yeah. yeah. He's. Uh, I've not seen Ricky for a number of years. I, the first time I saw him work, we were, um, I went to South End to do a gig there late one, I think it was a Friday night, and Ricky, big lad, as you know, yeah. um, he was off stage, and they announced him on, the MC announced him on, and he went up on stage, and he walked, I don't know, 15 feet to the stage. He got up there, the applause died down, he went, it's a bit of a walk, isn't it? <laughs> he done like about 15 feet. So that was the first I saw of him, and he had me rolling up from that point. Here we go, question number two. In which town is there a comedy club called the Hyena? Is it A, Newcastle, B, Newport, C, New Addington. It's Newcastle. It's the I've, correct answer. Not, have you played it? I've not gigged there, no. It kind of came along after I was off yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Cir- the club circuit. But um, I did, I, whenever I played Newcastle on tour back in the day, I would off, it would be part of the Newcastle Festival. So we'd go there after the gig, and that's okay. where people used to hang out. Here's number three. Uh, who had the catchphrase, say what you see? Was it A, Frank Carson, B, Roy Walker, C, Joe Longthorne? I know this one as well, and it's not. I don't actually watch the program, but I know it's Roy Walker. It is Roy Walker from Catchphrase, yeah. which has come back with somebody else. Yes, and I can't remember who it is. It's is it on Challenge Stephen. TV no, it's it's now on ITV. It's Stephen ITV. Mulhern. Oh, the lad who does the um, Britain's, Britain's Got, Got Talent, Talent stuff. Extra yeah, that's right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's back with no Roy. He's, he's quite lively, actually. I've, I've, I've he's seen right, some yes. of his stuff. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. Quite, he's quite entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roy Walker, of course, you know, was. In a way, the oddest choice for a quiz show because he, he's so he had that quiet laid, laid back, back thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, you've you've won a million pounds. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I'm sure that wasn't the prize money on that program, but here we go with question number four. Which actor comedian starred in the sitcom My Hero? Was it A. Hugh Dennis, B. Steve Punt, C. Simon Pegg? Oh wow. Can you run that by me again? Because I was going to say who it was, and I was wrong. It was called My Hero. Was it Hugh Dennis that was in it, Steve Punt, or Simon Pegg? Wow. My Hero. See, I was thinking it was the superhero thing. I must have completely got this wrong Uh, with Ardo Hanlon. You're not looking at me now thinking... He was in it. But you can't say which comedian was in it, and then I've given you a comedian who's the main (laughs) character. You can't say, well, there was a bloke, and he was on the bus, and it went past in the distance. We don't want... want, No. no. Which non-Irish member... (laughs) 
Uh, that's true. The other one, though, was Hugh Dennis. I was just about to say that. But we have to but give you've... we have to give Lee a point for that, I'm told, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you did actually get the man that started I got started the man it. who actually was the lead character. <laughs> question number five. I'm, I, I should get extra points there for correcting your question. Yeah, I've just been told you got an extra point. There so. you go. Here we go, number five. Can I bail out now? Who's... Come on, five out of, <laughs> right. five out of four. <laughs> but if you get this wrong, you might lose two oh, points. Okay, okay. So whose live tour this year is... This is extraordinary. Is called Work in Progress. Is it A. Louis C.K., B. Joe Pasquale, or C. Jason Manford? Oh, shoot. This is going to be really embarrassing. Work in Progress. No, it's not Jason's one. I can't recall exactly the title of his show, but it's not that. I would say, oh, maybe I'm wrong there, the way he's making a noise. (laughs) Oh, my word. Um, I would have thought it was somebody like Louis C.K., that would sound about right, but it is actually Jason, Jason Manford. Manford. <laughs> it's Jason Manford. But it doesn't matter, Lee, because oh, you've still man. got five out of five <laughs> due to the fact that you managed to correct our sloppy research. Well, the thing is, I couldn't have even accept. I couldn't have switched to Jason there because you caught like, oh, like that. Uh, so I had to go. Yeah, for you were just being honest there. I was being thoroughly honest. Uh, remind everybody, Lee, where? So where's, where, where's your comedy club for those who don't know what it's you're called? The Backyard Comedy Club, two three one Cambridge Heath Road, London E two. That's Bethnal Green, and, and it's literally a spit from the tube. It's well, two hundred so. yards from yeah. the tube, if that, and it's backyardbar.co.uk. And on Twitter, on Twitter, uh, Backyard Bar. And, and also, you can go through leehurst.com as yeah. well. It will get you. And on Twitter, you're at leehurst I'm, as well. I'm, uh, yes, 2010 Lee Hurst, not, yeah. I think. Yeah, 2010 leehurst which was like my third attempt at Twitter. I had tried it earlier. Happens, it? Yeah. And then in the end, yeah. when I came back, my name had now gone. <laughs> That's right. I hate that. So I, went, I stuck 2010 on because that Good was the work. year I, I started having a go at it. Well, listen, thanks for coming on with us, Lee. You're welcome. Uh, we, we want everybody to show like a huge appreciation because this audience has been brilliant. They're fantastic. Lee Hurst, everybody! <laughs> That sounded like I was having asthma then. (laughs) Credit stream. And there you go. Three bags full's worth of quality broadcasting. Well, sort of. We are, of course, back next week for another episode. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, get over to iTunes and rate, review, and, of course, subscribe. Android users can try us on the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thank you to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music was by Kevin McClellan. Cloud. His website is incompetech.com. The show's technical operator was Andre Porch. The programme was edited by Lisa Thompson. Our researcher was Sir Alex Ferguson. And today's chunky fact comes courtesy of Manny in Clitheroe, who tells me that the reason people say bless you when you sneeze is because your heart stops for a millisecond when you do so. Thank you, Manny. We don't believe you. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with what can only be described as a podtastic, pod-based, sensational blowout with radio legend Tony Blackburn. Yes, he's on our show, mate. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media production. <laughs> Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. <laughs> Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty, that's longer than an MP's expenses claim. Tra-la-la, la-la-la-la, tra-la-la, la-la-la-la. Andre, come on, man!